I'll tell you a little bit of my story. Uh, just a uh, uh, very interesting journey. Um, I grew up in California, an atheist. As far as I can recall, never set foot in church. Never had a single thought towards God. Ended up getting radically saved at UC Berkeley. I'm studying computer science. I'm in the top of my class and get saved. Wasn't a common occurrence at that time, but I did. And I have one quarter left to go before I graduate. And I'm in the top of my class of a 4.0 in computer science, arguably the top engineering university in the world. And, uh, you know, kind of set for the future. And I tell my pastor, I said, I'm quitting school. One quarter left to go before I graduate. And he said, well, why? Why would you do that? I said, because God doesn't care about computers. He had no answer for me. So, but he convinced me to go ahead and graduate. Like a why not? You know, it can't be that bad to graduate. I agreed. And, but they had, a, we had a church planning outreach uh, in Australia that summer. And I said, I'm going. And it happened to be during my finals and my graduation. So I actually went to all my professors and said, I'm not going to be here for finals. You know, what are you going to do about it? You know, kind of thing. And was, I was there planning churches in Australia when everybody else was taking finals and graduating. I came back. I, my parents said, did you graduate? I said, I think so. And they said, where's your diploma? I said, it's probably up there somewhere. You can go get it if you want it. I couldn't care less. I had one purpose in life to become a senior pastor. Everybody knows that if you're really going to go for God all the way, you have to become a senior pastor. Now, I don't know how I knew that, but I knew it. Or missionary, too. That's okay, too. You know, that's okay, too. And everybody else is compromisers, you know, uh, pretty much. And I got my dream at age 24. I pretty much knew the Bible cover to cover. I knew all the concepts. I knew everything. And I became a senior pastor of a 35-member campus church, yes. The epitome of human spiritual achievement. They were mine. They were my compromisers. And I got to preach every sermon. I led the worship. I wrote the songs. It was, it was unbelievably glorious time. Heaven came down. And then I got fired. My life was ended. I had no purpose, no reason to live, and uh, had no idea why God would, you know, give me more time on the earth if I was done and couldn't be a pastor. Uh, they sent me down to be trained to be a pastor. Uh, I got a job. The job was a paycheck. You know what I'm saying? You ever have a job that was a paycheck? You know, I went as late as I could to work. I left as early as I could from work. I did as little work as I could at work, and I got as much money as I could. You know what I'm saying? I was maximizing the paycheck. You know what I'm saying? And I got out of there as fast as I could, you know, to go do God's stuff. Meanwhile, aiming at becoming this minister, which seemed to, you know, always dodge my future. One point, a prophet comes to town and says, um, you're going to be a pastor of a business. I look at him, and I remember looking him straight in the eye, laser beaming. My face gets bright red. I don't seem to I'm gritting my teeth. And, and I take that tape. I throw the tape away. My wife says, what are you doing? I says, I'm not going to be no pastor or no business. I'm going to be a real pastor. 
You know, that was to me, you know. And uh, ended up moving to Kansas City. A few years later, again, looking for ministry opportunities. Didn't happen. Start a business. Mostly out of spiritual boredom. And, um, uh, you know, it was one of those things where I knew the business would be a good business, but I had no vision for it whatsoever. I just didn't have a lot of ministry opportunity at that point. Well, the business starts growing and taking off. And we end up raising $44 million in venture capital, became the fastest-growing business in Kansas City by a wide, wide margin. Uh, we were doubling in size uh, every three to four months in revenue. I mean, this was an absolute rocket ship of a business. And so most surprisingly of all, most surprisingly of all, I'm, I started getting pained in my heart when this was happening. And I couldn't figure out why until it dawned on me that there was no missionary future for me. This was it. I was going to be a businessman. Me. A businessman. All I ever said was, God, here I am. And he relegates me to insignificance. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so I was so disappointed. And then what happened? I said, God, show me. If this is you, then show me how it matters. And change, do something in here because it hurts. I don't want to do this unless you, you show me why it matters. Began to have a revival in this business. People got saved. Lives were touched. People were launched in ministry. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about how, 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 this, how we built this, this thing. It became a presence-carrying business. We end up, I won, won the Entrepreneur of the Year Award in 2000, which is a big deal, Ernst Young Entrepreneur of the Year Award for the Midwest region. And God really honored this thing. Then just when I really decided I liked business and I was going to stay there and do that, then God sent me to the ministry to do this. Go figure. Go figure. But you know what I want to point out? And this is, this is such an issue. I tell my story all the time because it's such an issue for zealous Christians. There's so many on-ramps for people who are fired up for the Lord. Many, many on-ramps into ministry, very few into the marketplace. And if you, if you, knew, if you knew your call to the marketplace to be a fiery believer in the marketplace, who would you be like? What books would you read? Who would mentor you? Where would you go to school? It's a big blank. It's a big zero. We don't know what it means. You know, the church, 97% of believers are not called to vocational ministry. 97%. God calls, yes, to the marketplace. To the front lines of ministry. The church has not, and I am a churchman. I love church. Pastors are my heroes. But the modern church has not equipped marketplace saints how to understand how what they do matters in the kingdom how it fits, how to bring Jesus there, right? What is your responsibility? What does he want you to do there? How to be successful, how to have a successful heart there, how to have a heart that's fiery and, and full of love and passion, how to encounter him there, how to walk with him. It's just, it's just a big zero. No one knows. No one knows. So one of our missions, as Bob shared, is to bring some definition, and that's the purpose of this brief seminar. I have only a few minutes. I'll give you some thoughts. I can't develop much. We have other tools I encourage you to look at, um, specifically deep training. We, you know, teaching people to pray and uh, build build uh, marketplace prayer meetings and other things. And I encourage you to come by the booth uh, and look at the Joseph County website. But there's a crisis of vision today in the marketplace. Crisis of vision. 
the same time, I want to give you some examples of where God is beginning to inhabit. You know, the church has claimed two arenas of life. The, the church arena that the church fights for. You know, we look for revelation there. We cast the devil out in the church arena, in the home arena. But everything else can go to hell. Everything else we don't believe for him to come in the marketplace. But where do we think we have permission to give away the marketplace to the devil? Why do we think, is that not his? I'm so jealous for him to be found out in the planet as surely as he lives. The whole earth shall be filled with the glory of God. It's not a question. He is coming. It's his. And we have an opportunity to be forerunners. How do you do it? How do you do it? I'm going to talk a little bit about how you do it. I'll give you a couple examples. There's a lady named uh, Alice Stevens who started a, uh, a, uh, had a, had a, had a desire to help uh, um, mentally ill people. Started a mentally ill uh, facility. Takes care. I hired all Christians as, as, the, as the people taking care of the people and pray over these people continually. It's all funded by the government. All funded by the government. Doing her ministry. Doing her ministry. Paid for by the government. Another a friend of ours, Bernie, started a Christian prison. Christian prison. I always get, I always wait for the Snickers, you know. It's like a good friend of ours runs the Kansas City Chiefs cheerleaders. It's a Christian organization. Glory to God. That's right. You know, I could tell you stories. I could tell you stories. God is, God is coming and in, encountering these ladies, you know, by Christians running this. But this Christian prison, what better place, what better place is there to preach the gospel when people are receptive? They're at a low point in their lives. You know, many of them are like, okay, I'm ready for a change. What do I do? They have daily prayer meetings. The presence of God is off the charts. Christian prison saves the jurisdictions 20%. So they, they outsource their prisons. Saves them 20% when they do that. Wow. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? Another guy, a friend of mine, Chuck Ripka, has a bank in Elk River, Minnesota, fastest growing bank. Uh, one of the fastest growing, I think the fastest growing in the United States. When the bank hit its 18-month-old mark, they had had 102 people had gotten saved at this bank. 102 people. A bank. Aren't there like rules of banking, you know, that prohibit that or something, you know? 102 people. They have drive through prayer. Literally, the tellers, the drive through tellers ask them, is there anything we can pray for you for? There's so much anointing on this bank that when somebody needs prayer for healing in the city of Elk River, the pastors send them to the bank for prayer. <laughs> the uh, the uh, the uh, uh, the New York Times did a story on him. The Sunday New York Times did a story about a year ago, a year and a half ago. They sent a reporter out. The reporter gets saved. <laughs> they send a photographer out. The photographer gets saved. The Chinese sent a delegation from China to learn about American banking. How they ended up in Elk River, Minnesota, I do not know. Not the center of American banking, but that's where they were. They all give their lives to the Lord as he shares with them. Guy Chuck Ripka, he's coming here, by the way, in April to our summit. I encourage you to come if you want to hear more about this. You know, it, we're just throwing out the old paradigms. God is coming in. We're at the very beginning of the beginning of the beginning. 
of a major move that God is coming in and reclaiming his inheritance in the marketplace. He died for it. And he is not giving it over to the enemy. We may be abdicating all day long. And he said, no, I'll find people who will take me there. Presence carriers. I see a day when God is honored in the city. And that's my heart. It's why, why I'm here. See a day when he is honored in all arenas of life and not relegated as the irrelevant God. Irrelevant to real life. No. He has wisdom for us. He has power for everyday life. He has his presence we can encounter in a real way every day. Two simple things you can do to bring his presence. Two simple things. Number one. Number one. And this is what sparked the revival in my business. It's Colossians 3. I remember one of the believers there at the very beginning said, hey, can you have a gather the Christians in this business? And it was a secular business. It was a secular but gospel-safe business. And I can't develop that. But can you, can you share a Christian vision? And I shared what I thought the vision of this business was. And then one of the brothers there shared Colossians 3, verses 22 through 24. And it was like electricity in the room. I had hired all these... Ministry people who had gone to Bible school, they hit a wall in ministry and came to me to get a job as spiritual failures. You follow me? And so they figured out they were spiritual failures, so to speak, but looked at this and said, you know what, I can do Colossians 3 and started doing Colossians 3 and started bringing the presence of God in my business. Listen to the slaves. Now, how many of you control 100% of your time? You determine what you do every minute of every day. Yeah, very few of you. Very few of you. Most of you are slaves to your parents. You're slaves to your children. You're slaves to your professors. You're slaves to your bosses, right? Do you know the slavery scriptures? Don't pass them over them in your Bible. Don't pass over them. They speak so powerfully to how we as believers are to carry our hearts in the times we do not control our activities. Can you serve God when you're doing something else? Can you? Good. You can. You can. Moms, you know, I think about moms just home with kids, and I'm thinking, you know, so many of them feel so forgotten and so overlooked. But this scripture is for them, slaves, mother slaves, you know. It says, listen to this, obey your earthly masters in everything. Wow. Your professors, your bosses, obey them in everything. And do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. How big is Whatever. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, all. Put everything you have into it as working for the Lord, not men. What happens when we begin to work wholeheartedly as for the Lord? His presence comes because it really is Him we're working for. So This scripture is so powerful. I have several hours of teachings on just these verses. Ephesians 6, verse 5 through 8, same thing. Dual witness of Scripture. It's so important. And yet so few marketplace Christians do this. 
I hired a lot of Christians, I know. Very few work wholeheartedly with their whole heart. And give everything they have. You know, Christians should be the best workers on the planet. The very, very best. You should be the ones that go, man, if we could find another guy like that. Wow. You know, I had one, I was just up in Des Moines at a conference and sharing with the, this, a little bit of this with one of the pastors there, and he was talking about how, you know, his marketplace prison season before he got released into the ministry, you know, and uh, where he was in, quote, spiritual prison in the marketplace. And uh, he was talking with one of the ladies about that worked with him about, I um, uh, said, uh, you know, you know, I'm trying to really share the gospel, but a lot of these people just aren't open. You know, like, you know, they're just, their ears are closed up and they're hard-hearted, you know. And she, without any judgment on her or anything, said, well, you know, they might be a little more open if you worked a little harder. <laughs> and he was like, he said it was like an arrow to his heart. He realized that, you know, respect is necessary to be effective witnesses of the gospel. But, you know, so few believers are fully engaging their hearts where they are. Everyone is looking over the hill. Everyone. Christians, we are so bad at this. Always looking for the next thing. For the, 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 the thing to come. Not looking for where you are today. You know, you live today. Tomorrow may not even be granted to you. Live today for Him. Whatever we do with our whole heart, we're to give all we are, all we have in everything we do. Imagine. So what is it like? How are we to carry ourselves? Do you think Jesus could be a dishwasher, a stockbroker, in a heartbeat. He would eat it alive. I, I have that feeling sometimes. I send me anywhere. Send me into a job. Oh, I don't care how menial it is. We'll see the kingdom come. We'll see people get saved. We'll see things happen. Why? Because we're just going to go for the go for God. We're going to do everything. I could see Jesus saying, let me at it. He would, he would see, you know, the dishwasher, you know, this job and see the kingdom coming, lives being touched, people being changed, and the dishes would get clean. Why do we think he can't meet us there? Do you think he can't do that? If that had been his assignment in earth, he would have done it and the kingdom would have come and it would have been unbelievable. Do you know he today is looking for arms and legs? Your body, your, your, your heart to go in that place and be his representative and do what you see your father doing. If he was a dishwasher or a student, what would he do? Just do it. Just do it. But we're always looking over the hill. We're not engaging our hearts where we are. I believe you can have unreal creativity, unbelievable creativity. Prosperity, praying for I think everywhere you work should be prosperous. Do you know that? You should pray for the prosperity of your business. That was Joseph's testimony, right? You should pray for the prosperity. It should be this testimony that, man, you get this guy. Things just start working better. God starts coming. Prosperity happens. People should be bidding for you because you're so amazing. I believe this is where he wants to take us. A friend of mine, a, a guy quit his job as a youth pastor to be a server in a Red Robin restaurant. I don't recommend this, but he did. And he started doing Colossians 3. He says, if, if I refilled the Coke, you know, 22 times, Jesus was thirsty that day. 
He treated every single customer as if they were the Lord and worked his whole heart. Within six weeks, six weeks, he became server of the year. In six months, a third of that restaurant, over 100 people working there, had gotten saved. I had one intern, young lady, 17-year-old girl, looked at me with laser beam eyes, raised her hand in one of my classes, looked at me with laser beam eyes and says, I cannot wait to go to Chick-fil-A and wash dishes. She knew God was going to come. God was going to show up. Is there a rule that he can't show up? At Chick-fil-A while you wash dishes? Is there a law? He just can't do it. He's not big enough. He's not powerful enough. Poor Jesus. We've got to take him to the bunker and hope his light doesn't go out. Poor Jesus. We've got to keep him safe. Most believers are looking over the hill to the next opportunity or dream. I encourage you. Stop it. Stop it. It's wanderlust. You know what your assignment is? Your your field is where your feet are. Your flock is the people around you. Start treating it like that. Start acting like it. Stop looking over the hill. It's wanderlust. It's wanderlust. You don't know what is over the hill. You have no idea. Love God with your whole heart today where you are in school, in class. Yes, Love Him where you are. That's your field. That's your flock. The number two thing I want to tell you. Number two thing I want to tell you is to become a presence carrier. You know, we have wrongly defined our mission. We are not called just to be good moralists. You know, to come out of moral people in the workplace. And that's, of course, we are to be that. But much more than that, we're called to be epistles of Christ, our hearts written on, presence carriers. If we don't carry his presence, if we just have principles, we're just moral, we're no different than good Buddhists. We're we're, we're good moral people with a philosophy. Do you have a philosophy or do you have a God? Which do you have? We are called to be presence carriers. We've so wrongly defined our mission. I used to feel like I had to go change all evil, that I couldn't work for an evil organization, you know, that I had to change everything and change all the wickedness and the, you know, that I felt responsible for that somehow. Today, I just, I have none of that. I feel totally able. All I have to, I have to fulfill my mission and my mandate, which is to be a presence carrier and to bring, I don't have to bring change because that's change is not something I necessarily have authority to bring. But I can bring light. Jesus didn't bring change all the time. A lot of things did not change. And he wasn't too worried about it. He wasn't like, you know, you know what he brought is he brought light. We are called to bring the light of his presence in situations. You are called to be a light where you are, to love him, have his presence on you, be walking with him, near him, towards him, all day long, every day. And if people want to keep going sinning, you can't stop that. It's not your responsibility. You can bring light. But I think we've wrongly defined our mission. Our mission is to be presence carriers. You know, his presence is power. Do you know what it says? The promised land, when Joshua took the promised land, it wasn't by the sword. Psalm 44, verse 3. By their sword they did not possess the land, their arm did not save them, but your right hand, your arm and the light of your presence. 
Do you know when his presence comes, it's powerful? Do you know why? Because his presence is him. It's him. His presence is him. It's not a feeling. It's him. He comes. Demons go hide in corners. Things change when he comes. Things change. We must get a hold of him. As presence carries word up, bring him with us into everything we're doing. Thanks be to God who leads us in triumph and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. How much of the aroma of Christ do you carry? Mostly the aroma of believers is the same as the world. Worry, striving, ego, success. I mean, it's not different. We've got to be a different breed, going in with our whole hearts. Do you know what? His presence is Him. How do you get Him to come into your situations? How do you bring His presence? How do you do it? It is so simple. It is so simple. James 4.8 Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Develop a devotional life. Develop a prayer life. Daniel did this. Daniel Daniel had a methodology, the Daniel model. You know what Daniel did? You think you got it bad. You know, I've heard people complain and tell me, you know, uh, you know, hey, I'm in this big you know New York um, uh, investment banking firm, and you know they'll if I say I'm a believer, they'll eat me alive. You know, <laughs> you know this fear and trembling. You know, I'm telling you, you got nothing on Daniel. Daniel, 17-year-old kid, probably mutilated, taken captive, taken to a foreign land. He didn't know the language. Orphaned. Didn't, didn't know the cultures, the customs. Ended up becoming not. And he didn't just survive. He thrived. And he didn't just thrive. He became the chief influencer in the land for some 70 years. How did he do it? He had a methodology. Please, please hear this. He had a methodology. Number one, fasting. Number one, fasting. Number one, fasting. He said the fasting is the only way you will be able to carry your heart and not be tainted. Daniel 1, he, he, he knew he was going into the king's palace. He knew that he could get sucked in. Fasting. Fasting, fasting. There's a great book on fasting in the bookstore. It's called The Rewards of Fasting. Oh, profound book. Please get it. Number two is prayer. Three times a day. It says Daniel prayed three times a day. Three times a day. Number four. Number four. I mean, number three. Number three. Prayer, fasting, prayer. Number three, marvelous comrades. He had a group of people that were more fiery than him, that he hung with. And they're like, if he was having a bad day, they're like, get out of it. You know, come on, we're going for Jesus. Come on, man. You know, this is nothing. Shadrach, Meshach, and Benedict, they were best friends. I'm telling you, I promise you, I don't care where you're at, I don't care how dark your situation is. He was, he was in one of the most wicked kingdoms ever seen on the planet and was responsible for witches and warlocks. It's like I had one lady who works for a big cable company and was an executive there, and they make most of their money on pornography, and she's responsible. She's going, I said, read Daniel. You know, we, God wants us in the darkest places, but bringing light, bringing his presence. 
I believe if you're in school, you're wherever you're at, and it's dark, I'm telling you, try this methodology. Do it. We have the prayer room. It's web-streamed. You can get it $10 a month. And I'm not selling stuff here. I'm telling you, this is tools, key tools for equipping your heart. And start prayer meetings. Find marvelous comrades, fast, and pray every day. Every single day. And I promise you, I don't care how dark it is, you will not just survive, you will thrive. You will not just thrive. You will become an influencer. Take this Daniel methodology. I want to talk, I'm done with time here, but I've got a few more minutes. Uh, There's also another methodology. If you're a business owner, I encourage you to uh, get my book. It's called Marketplace Christianity. I talk about the anointed business model, how you actually build anointed businesses, and I can't develop it. I'm I'm out of time, but I want to talk just a minute about something that's going on all over the planet, not something I started. It wasn't my idea. It's God's idea, but it's happening. It's called biz biz hops. Biz hops. Business house of prayers. Houses of prayer, businesses. And here's, here's the deal. They could put the web stream up sometimes, get a projector, put the web stream up, and, and pray once a day, turn off the web stream and pray, have a prayer meeting. And a simple three-step model that we teach, the first step is adoration. We say for 30 minutes, you do not ask anything. You can ask nothing. You simply adore the Lord. Do you know what happens when you begin to adore the Lord? Every Our whole wiring changes. We adore the Lord. Everything shifts. Mostly, we live this 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 horrible life, you know, of this uh, this high pressure, uh, fast paced, you know, outrageous life. That's outrageous. That destroys spirituality. We've got to put him first and adore him, and everything changes. And say, so start doing that, and then have a prayer time of praying for each other, and then proclaiming the kingdom of God every single day. Can you see the power of this? So, Bruce, I asked Bruce to come on up. Bruce Birchfield. So this is Bruce. Bye-bye. Yeah. And uh, Bruce, Bruce has uh, five businesses in North Carolina. There's four. Four businesses. So you lost one. No. Yeah. Okay. So we're sorry about that. <laughs> and uh, Bruce, Bruce started one of these biz hops. And just give us a flavor for what's going on there. Well, we've been hooked up with you guys for the last couple of years, coming to summits and intensives. And so the last one, um, been with our marvelous comrades, bringing right. teams of people out that we can build with, business. And anyway, so after the uh, last, the the uh, intimacy uh, intensive in September. This is where we teach the spare models. That's right, the adoration, the, the axe model. Anyway, I said, Lord, what do we need to do? It, it needs to be practical. So we came home. And every day, Monday through Friday, uh, we get together. There's a group of eight to ten of us, and uh, some of them are there every day, some of them a couple times a week. But we start getting there at 530, and we do this prayer model for an hour and a half or so and just seek the Lord at the boardroom table in the business for an hour and a half, Monday through Friday, and that's how we start life and start the day. And if you do that, you can bottle the IHOP stuff, the prayer room, the conference, the teaching, the wor- worship, and you can do it, that Colossians 3 thing, uh, in all of your life, in your home, in your business. And that's what enables you to do. So what's happening as a result? What are you seeing? What's the difference? Uh, the difference is 
is nearness, is intimacy, is passion for the Lord, is that first love restored, and then and then life kind of flowing out and through that. I got one testimony, one example of one of my managers. So you're seeing this happen in the workplace, where you're seeing intimacy in the workplace, hearing, listening, uh, just His presence. Absolutely. Uh, one of my the managers of a sports complex we own. He was sharing some. Little things, little, little, little problems uh, with him and his wife. I said, well, well, share me, what's your routine? He said, well, she's getting up with me now. And I said, oh, stop, back up. I said, she's getting up with you now. Clarify that. I said, you get up at 4.30 or 5 every morning. He said, yeah, she's getting up with 4.30 or 5 with me every morning and doing, and doing the Acts model. And he said, she writes out her prayers, and so she's got, you know, that much, you know, just Pages and pages of the stuff that she's praying, the Lord's speaking to her. And it's changed this guy's life. And he's bringing the presence of God in his home and in, you know, one of our businesses. So talk about adoration. Adoration is just the key. When you begin to adore God, take God serious at his word. Bob Hartley said it in June at the prophetic intensive. Let everything else be a lie. Let everybody be a lie and let everything else be a lie. Your little problems and the things that you've blown up so big and you believe to adore the God of the Bible for who he says he is, then your big problems are going to get real little and God's going to get real big like he really is and life is going to change for you and yours. I think I've seen Bob getting over convicted at his own words right now. So tell us about your dad. My dad. My dad's a physician. He's 65 years old. And uh, anyway, just a real passion and love for the Lord. And, and uh, anyway, he, he, uh, he's got a renewed zeal and passion. for Because a lot of these older generation guys, retirement age 65, they haven't seen a culmination of the kingdom of God in America the last 40 years. They've seen it go, you know, it's going downhill. So they're like, are we going to see it or are we not going to see it? Well, doing this prayer model has really given him a vision and a hope for the future. And not just that, but to link up with us. He's there every morning. He's the first one there. He's the first one there to uh, put the pot of coffee on and just start in with the Lord. And he sees how he's going to build with us. We've got a building plan for the next 25, 30 years, or if the Lord gives him five more days, how to build with us and the generations in our city, in our location. That's good. Thank you, Bruce. Stay up here with me. You know, I just want to encourage you again. Uh, we have we have some key tools. Come talk to us at at the booth. We have this prophetic hearing intensive. We teach how to hear the Lord three days hearing the Lord. We have this prof- uh, prayer intensive in June. Basically, it's the BizHop model. It's the Brother Lawrence model. How do you commune with God all day long, every day, like Brother Lawrence did? And the Acts model that he's talking about, devotional prayer model. So we have some key equipping and leadership retreats, and we've given our lives to basically equip marketplace people to be successful and encourage you to take the time to explore these tools. Now, before we break, we're done, but I'd like to just pray for the, for the Daniels to be released. If you'd stand with me and just pray with me, because I believe that, that many in here, you are called, God has called you into dark situations and dark places. And I believe God has given you, wants to give you this methodology, this Daniel methodology. And so I want to pray with you, and I'd ask you to just pray for him too and close us out. So, Lord, we just come to you, and, Lord, we're jealous for your presence to happen in this in the marketplace. Lord, we're jealous for our universities. We're jealous for our cities, our police arenas, our schools, our workplaces, Lord. We ask for your presence to come. We ask for you to be great in our midst. 
Lord, we ask for all all the demons to flee. We ask for your your light to be released in this place. Father, I pray for those here in this room, Father, that you would grant them marvelous comrades, that you would grant them a model of prayer and fasting, Father. They could be successful spiritually, Father, not getting up and falling and getting up and falling. Lord, we ask to release power in Jesus' name.